Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Rule the Roost podcast. As ever, we are transmitting straight from our grotty, crusty tissue bedrooms. Um, when I say we, I mean myself and my compadre. I don't know why I always call you my compadre. Neither of us are Spanish. I guess I have some sort of Spanishy roots. But anyway, Raj Baines, how you doing, mate? I'm not too bad yourself. Very good. I can I can hear you this evening, Raj. Um, oh. I don't know why people are what they're moaning about, but I can hear you fine all the time. Know. I've never had any issues hearing myself, so I will we'll we'll steady on, we'll crack on, and hopefully it's all sorted now. You've had issues in other respects, haven't you? I've heard in intimate Pretty... intimate bedroom related issues. No, I go by the the GZ. Um I've got ninety nine problems, but a bitch in one. There's, there's no need for misogyny on, on this show, mate. There's no room for it, okay? I think, think Jay-Z's coming from the right place when he says it, though. I don't think there's any misogyny behind anything Jay-Z's ever said. See, it's, that's the yellow card. I'm sorry. This, this is this is the PC brigade now. Um, anyway, um, I was I was going to lead that into a dodgy Mac joke then, but then I thought I won't do. Um, but I kind of just did. Anyway, we beat Newcastle United 4-0. Stone the Crows. We did indeed, yeah. You you went to the game, didn't you, mate? I did, yeah. Uh, armchair fan got out of his armchair. It was brilliant. How was it? it? It looked kind of reminiscent of an old game of sensible world of soccer or something like that. It, I guess that's a bit before your time, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Given that I'm I'm an ancient man. What do you mean from from the view from up in the stand where Newcastle is? I do indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very odd view, but it's a very nice one because you you can actually um you can see things there that you don't usually get to see from, you know, the lateral view you normally have inside a ground. Mm. Um, you get to pick up on things that, that players do and and even across the across the pitch as a whole because you can take it all in at once that you that you don't usually get at other grounds. So while I wouldn't want to like have to go up there every week to to watch a game, it's um it's nice for the one off. I mean climbing up there at first it wasn't so so much like the the amount of stairs, you know, I mean, Taylor and Bestie warned us that there was going to be quite a walk to get up there. That wasn't so bad, but it's like reclimatizing yourself when you're up there. I swear the air's a bit thinner, so you spend about two minutes just trying to, like, feeling a tiny bit queasy once you first get up there, and then you kind of reacclimatize. Dabbing your nose from all the blood and all that. You know? Yeah, you, and then you finally get used to it, but it was, um, it was a brilliant experience. Um, I really enjoyed the ground. To be fair to him, it's it's really nice. It's a, as as they said to us last week, it's plastered in uh, Wonga and Sports Direct adverts and nothing else. 
What did you uh, What did you make of the locals as well? Were they friendly? Did you Did you manage to meet up with Taylor and Bestie for a? I for didn't. A... Unfortunately, we 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 literally got there watching just as it was kicking off, and um, we left fairly soon afterwards. So saw the players off the pitch and clapped them off, and then got on our way using the the Met Rule, I believe it's called. Um, the metro. Yeah, I don't know what accent that just was from you, but the metro, the the underground wannabe London underground thing that they've got going on there. And um, we was on his way home in car, um, which was odd because it was really windy and it was really dangerous. We actually drove past the supporters bus, which was rocketing side to side. So it's a brilliant effort from everyone who made it up from down south because um, it was only a couple of hours for me and Dad. We got home just after midnight. So anyone that was coming up from London must have had a, a right trip. I, I was texting Ben Alfred the next day, right, for sight, and it sounded like he got about two two hours sleep because he got home to London just in time for the repeat of match of the day and then had to, a couple of hours kip and then was back on his way to, to uni, uh, I think in Portsmouth. So he, he had a, a well and truly soldiered on through that. It's fine. No one does fuck all at uni anyway, so he's, uh, you know, whatever. Scranging students. I was never one myself. I was. Um, anyway, you described Newcastle's performance as positively conference. Um, it wasn't It wasn't great, was it? I mean, it's, it's a fantastic achievement to win 4-0 away at Newcastle. It's not a, a happy hunting ground for us normally, but they they weren't the best, were they? They're I think the only other team that I've seen as bad as them that we've played this season is Stoke at home because they, they were awful. They were, there was nothing to them whatsoever. Even though they had a couple of, of chances that Larice did really well to save, they were shit. I mean, there's there's no way to beat around it. There, there was no spirit. There was no fight. Um, once we'd gotten 1-0 up even, the, the head had dropped and the more goals we scored, the more inevitable it was that they were letting us further up onto them. It was, um, it was shocking, really. I mean... I've never seen a Premier League team play so badly at home. Their fans are uh, deflated and almost reasonably so when you see how the team's performing. I mean, we've we've said in the past that uh, there's no excuse for being a, a flat crowd if your team's not playing well. But what their team was doing was it it, it just looked so like they'd given up. There was no there was nothing there from them. They'd like, they'd almost they'd wave the white flag if they could do, and um, we. As we said, we we took advantage well and truly, um, and we played well to do it. Um, it was a great performance. We we set up well, and um, you can only beat what's put in front of you at the end of the day, and that's exactly what we did. It was final away from home, as uh, as Rob Brown said to me. There's there's not much more fun that you can have in a football ground. See, not to be pessimistic, I'm I'm trying to take this on a on a purely rational, realistic front. Um, when we say that we performed really well, Hugo Lloris was still drawn into making two or three very good saves. Um, so Newcastle still did carve out decent opportunities, which on a, on another day they could well have put away. Um, is is there still that kind of defensive frailty there? Do we do we play too openly still? Um, I mean, obviously it paid off for us in this game in the end. But again, Hugo Lloris got man of the match. I, I wouldn't be comfortable in saying that for this particular game because we had uh, Cal Norton at left back as we all know isn't the greatest in the world um, to to sit, put it lightly even though 
at points, Newcastle made him look fantastic, which is an achievement in itself. And we also had, I think it's the first time Kabul and Vertonghen, that partnership's ever played together in the league. So there's obviously some understanding issues between the two of them that should be ironed out sooner rather than later if they if they hopefully get more games under their belt together. And um, the sooner that happens and the sooner they're cemented as our two centre-backs, the better it'll be. But obviously there's, there's teething problems in that and there's always... Um, with with players that have to play off each other in such a manner as centre backs do, there's always going to be some issues there. So, um, I think it's a, a reasonable start. I think the the chances that Newcastle made were always against the run of play, and um, there's a couple that probably should have scored from. But Lloris is probably the best keeper in the league this season. He's been mind-bogglingly good um, at points, and uh, there's a couple of saves where. You know, you just kind of the entire crowd just erupts singing his name, and uh, he's fantastic. I mean, out of all the players that were on the pitch that night, his name was sung the most out of everyone's just because he gives the most. And like I was saying before, that one of those things that you notice being that high up at Newcastle is just high up, how high up the pitch. Sorry, he actually spends most of the game because we were camped in there half so much. He, he actually spent most of the time closer to the halfway line than his own goal line. And he just he he kind of sits there on his haunches and um, just watches the game go by, and you get slightly worried that if Newcastle you know break at any point or any sort of speed, but before you've registered that they've got the ball back, he's already on his own goal line. He's already made the move, so it's it's fantastic to see, and I've I really enjoyed watching him live again. Um, I think he's one of my my favourite players to just kind of you know when you this guy used to have player cam. You know, you almost do that when, you, when you're watching a game live. You can just kind of concentrate on one bloke. I, I really enjoy doing that with Lloris. I would just get too distracted. When we had Nico Cranshaw in the squad, player cam, Nico Cranshaw, that's it, I'm set. You know? Yeah, beautiful. I, I understand he was a, he's a beautiful Be- man. Beautiful man. Um, but quite appalling for QPR, as are most of the QPR team. And also a very favourite... Favourite man of mine, Mr. Benoit Saracotto, having another on-field scrap with one of his teammates. Stay classy, Benoit. Stay classy, mate. Um, Also, I I must say, very good to see Yunus Kabul back in the fold as well. For how long, it remains to be seen. You joke, but before the game, on my way to the game, I I put a very tongue-in-cheek, jokey tweet out where I said, uh, um, I think it was 68 minutes, Yunus Kabul, a hashtag Yunus Kabul injury bingo just as a joke to, to say when I thought he was going to go off. 58 minutes, the man's on his back and he, they're, they're bringing a stretcher <laughs> on. And I've, I've, my dad just turned to me and he went, I told you you'd uh, you'd um, you'd buggered him. And then you know, luckily he's back on the field, but it was worrying for a moment. I thought maybe he's, he's cracked himself again, just almost inevitably he's done it. But he was um, he saw the he saw the entire game out, so I was, I was well pleased with that in the end. Good man, Yunus Kabul, the man with legs made from quavers. Um, but <laughs> moving on, we have Norwich City this week. Glamatai, Glamatai, you know how much we always look forward to that. Um, no offence to our guests who we have coming up now. All right, uh, yeah, this evening we're joined by Jamie and Ian. Ian runs uh, Vital Norwich. Uh, how, good evening, lads. How, how's it going? Hi, Jack. You're not bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, thanks. And how are you keeping, Jamie? Uh, not too bad. Top man. Uh, Sorry? Football could be better. Football could be... Well, there we go. What what note to start on? What's the... Uh, 
I guess I'll say, what's the story of your season been so far? Um, not many goals. That's the main problem. Which Spurs fans probably, from the beginning of the season, they can relate to. But Certainly can, yeah. It's been about maybe 18 months now. Hardly any goals, so it's getting a bit... Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about that, Ian? Uh, yeah, it's not great, mate. To be honest, I mean we've we've uh, we've sort of tried to stay with the team as long as we possibly can, um, and we, you know, for the most part, I'd say uh, the, the fans are still with the team, but and, and there's not been any sort of protests and stuff. But, but Chris Hutton really is on borrowed time, I think now, um, and uh, yeah, the football has been um, uh, not just dull, um, but also we've stopped having that knack of trying to win games um, by the skin of our teeth. And we, we occasionally do it. We did it against Hull a couple of games ago, but we, we're not doing it enough. Um, so we've now got like a run of games, um, which you're the first one, where we really need to start picking up points. Uh, and I think, um, I think well, most people will see this game as a bit of a bonus game, to be honest, but it'd be nice to get some, something, oh, we play well or get a draw or something against you to sort of lead us into the games we should be getting results in. I mean, what would you attribute this to? Is there any kind of discontent amongst the players? Because I heard that Wes Houlihan was particularly uh, less than complimentary about their club a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, he's, well, he tried to leave in the transfer window. Um, he wanted to go to, to, uh, to Villa, um, which, I mean, Jamie might disagree, but um, in my view, it was kind of fair enough. He wasn't really playing. Um, he wasn't in the team. He was sometimes on the bench, occasionally not even in the squad. So... I think he was probably within his rights to, to try and leave. Unfortunately, he happened to try and leave for Villa, which was, was never going to happen. Um, but I think that... Uh, I think it's not... I don't necessarily think it's the players. Um, uh, again, I'm not quite sure what, what camp James in on this, but I think that uh, we've got good enough players um, to be doing better than we are, playing better than we are. Uh, the manager... Um, Although we have been playing better in the last um, two or three games, um, before that we've, we've been particularly, particularly awful. Um, certainly against Newcastle in the first half, where we made Newcastle look like Real Madrid. Um, I know you gave them a bit of tanking last time out. Um, apart from that, we did start, start picking up um, and playing some better football over the last couple of games. But we're just um, uh, the manager sort of contrived to make some ridiculous substitutions against West Ham and throw the game away. So. Whatever we seem to do, we don't seem to be able to pick up points. And then, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling very confident as an Norwich fan. And a lot of fans are looking at uh, the table and, and looking at our last few games and thinking we might, we might end up in the drop zone. What exactly? What it was it? The um, Wes Houlihan said about the club because I remember Sky News made a, a big deal about it on transfer deadline days. They do essentially their presenters bowel movements on that particular day of the year but what was it that, he, that he'd said that uh, uh, do you want do you want an exact quote uh, uh, that would uh, be lovely as long as it's not libelous would it's fantastic uh well okay it's uh he, he said it was uh he was asked by kate riley who's the uh um the sky news reporter yeah a female i'm sure we'd we'd all not be mind preposition value. yeah uh she said are you uh uh, are you cleaning your locker out, Wes, or something like that? And he said, uh, I, yes, hope so. It's a shithouse club or something like that. Um, and then she put it on record and, um, and it all blew up from there, really. 
So it's a good thing to say to the press, that isn't it? You would have thought he would have. <laughs> you would have thought he might have known better. It must be the people around him. Should we say that's what? So I often blame it. He wanted to leave. He was really frustrated. He wanted to leave. Um, he wanted to go and play football. He wanted to go and play where he was where he was actually wanted. Um, the club wouldn't let him talk. Um, and unfortunately, he he became a bit unprofessional about it. Yeah, which isn't great. Um, but I think most of the fans kind of give him as long as he. As long as he looks like he's putting a shift in the Phoenix players, and I think that's fair enough. What's the uh, what's the story behind old uh, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel? Because he he was someone that was much lauded, and there was a lot of excitement around him at the start of the season. Um, I, I know he struggled with a few injuries and things, but how's he looked when he has played? Um, he he uh, he looks like he's never seen a football before. To be honest, um, <laughs> no, I, I can't agree with that. Really? Okay, go, go on, Jamie. Have your view. The system which I think it worked to. Like when he came in the other week, all we did was play it in the air to him, and he's never going to win it. So if you give it, his movement in the box is really good, and if you play it on the floor, he'll be fine, but we're just not doing that. No, I think you're right, he hasn't had a lot of chances, but the chances he has had, he has managed to contrive to miss. Um, and I think his confidence is shot now, which is, which is why he doesn't look comfortable. Um, I do think it's, it's probably a compl- he's definitely got the ability. You don't have caps for Holland if you haven't got ability. Um, but he's, he's his confidence is shot to pieces, and um, he doesn't want the ball, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, um, what about um, Jamie? There's another shining light in your season thus far has been Nathan Redmond, who's kind of quietly coveted in lots of corners, it would seem. Um, how, how have you found him making the step up to the Premier League and just how he's played thus far for you? Uh, yeah, he's been good. He's, you can sometimes see he's still young uh, with the decisions he makes. But he's got lots of pace, which we don't really have much in the side, which is like in the Premier League, that's a massive weakness for us. So, And he's got really quick feet, so be a fullback. And with uh, our other wingers not really performing or spending most of the time injured, it's been a welcome relief. And uh, what what about you, Ian? What what have you made of the lad? Would you would you be sad to see him go? I'm assuming Redmond, you would. Um, Red, well, Redmond, I think has been um, has probably been the shining light of the season so far for me. He's he's, he's been uh, although he's he's very sort of um, not very much not the finished article. Um, he saw uh, against Man City, Jamie, that he was you know he had the beating of the full back, um, and then also against West Ham as well, where he. He tied um, the right back Demel in 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 knots, um, and was was superb. Um, his final ball and his shooting just really let him down, which is really frustrating. I, I honestly think he's worth if we, if he gets his final product sorted out. You know, he is worth a stupid amount of money. Um, so it's it's again, it's a really good signing by Hewton. He has made some really good signing. Um, he can spot a player. Um, and um, on our day, we are a match for anyone. I think we played really well against you last year at home, one of our better home performances. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not cohesively working uh, at the moment. And even if we do play well, um, we aren't. Our strikers aren't able to put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, would you say he's been your player of the season? And if not, who who would you say has thus far been the, the player of the season for you? Uh, I would say Halson or Olsen. Yeah. Yeah, Olsen's done brilliant at left-back, hasn't he? He's, he's real at the part. Um, and when Halson's been injured and 
um, for a, a few weeks since before Christmas. And um, we've not got the same team without House and in, in the side. Um, Red, Redmond's sort of up there, isn't he? But his, his end product's really, really lacking. So he looks spectacular. And then he'll just smash it into Rose Ed, um, which is really unfortunate. But he's nine, what, 19 years old, I think, something like that. So uh, he's got he's got plenty of time to lay. I just hope he, you know, if he has one of his on days, he'll certainly cause you some problems on uh, on Sunday. And a player that Spurs have been linked to in the past and who, in fact, actually came through the Tottenham Academy is uh, Sir Mr Hooper. Um, how has he played for you thus far? I think he's been really good. Um, he's looked lively. Um, he has taken most of his chances. Um, hasn't there hasn't been an awful lot of chances. The last time out against West Ham, he missed quite a few um, really good opportunities. But of all of the strikers we've got, he's certainly been the one who's um, who's looked like scoring. And even when he hasn't scored, he's looked like a threat. He occupies his defenders. He he plays off the shoulder. He's um, he's you know he never gives you a moment's rest. I think he's a really good player. Um, he just he uh, he had a, a, an off day against West Ham, missed a few chances. But he, yeah, he's he's certainly done really well. He's settled, settled in into the side pretty pretty well. Okay, well that's, that's, that's good to hear. Um, I mean. In terms of how you think you're going to be uh, approaching this match, what would you uh, what would you say is going to be your likely tactic when when coming at Spurs? And just you, on top you, of that as well, um, I think you had is it twelve days between this game and your last one? Do you think that would have been the ideal time to have to have changed manager when you'd have had time to sack you and, and and find somebody else? And hopefully you've probably been looking for somebody else in that meantime. You'd have imagined. And had let them have that that grace period of almost the best part of a fortnight to have, have brought them in. I don't know, Jamie. You're are you a Hooton inner or a Hooton outer? Um, I would say out. Yeah, he's had enough time, but I don't think I can see how he could be a really good coach. But I can't see us developing under him at all. So, yeah. But then I don't think he's been sacked yet because. The club haven't found anyone that would feel confident of replacing him without having to go to another club and spending loads of money and getting a manager yeah, in. So, I mean, what what would you have wanted at the start of the season? Aside for obviously like consolidating your place inside the league, would it have been like a top half finish potential push for Europe? Because it could have been a realistic option given the amount of money you spent and some of the players you did bring in. Yeah. Just to like look like we're. Um... We're uh, you know playing good football. Last year was all about improving the defence, um, and we arguably he was working with offensive players. He didn't bring in himself. This this season he had a big budget in our terms to go out and buy offensive players, and we're expecting to be a much more of a uh, much more of a threat in front of goal. It just hasn't happened. Even if we'd you know not done brilliantly, but had a few games where we'd given someone a run for the money, it would have been a bit more encouraging. But the least we'd expected was to stay in the league um, and pushing for sort of a top ten, but was playing some really good football, which is what you know what we're renowned for and what Norwich fans expect. But it just hasn't happened. Um, I think they should have got rid of Hutton uh, after the last game, after the West Ham game. I think well, they probably left, they probably should have got rid of Hutton in November after the Man City game. I think we were in the bottom three then, which got absolutely hammered, um, and um, it's been coming for a while. Um, it's probably gone on too long now. I think he might be waiting for Neil Lennon to become available. McNally might be waiting for Neil Lennon, possibly, um, or somebody else who he can't get uh, at this point in time. So he's hanging on. 
but it looks like we're heading towards relegation. So, um, uh, yes, they should have got they should have done it. Should have got rid of him. Um, they haven't, and we unfortunately we just got caught with it. I think for now. So, I mean, like I say, do, how do you how do you think you're going to approach this game against Spurs? How have you ordinarily kind of lined up against? I would say teams of our stature, if you like. It'll probably be like uh, we did against Man City, um, and we do quite well. Uh, we, we can do quite well against the bigger teams. We played well against Man U at home as well, um, so we'll, we'll go for four-two-three-one uh, kind of formation, um, or whatever way you want to describe that. With um, with just with Hooper up front uh, on his own, I'd imagine, um, and hopefully with Redmond and maybe Pelton on the wings. Um, although. Um, Houston just have a, seem to have a soft spot for uh, Robert Snodgrass, who seems to be undroppable, despite being really out of form and not actually fully much fit, I don't think, either. Um, so I think we'll go, go with that, with, with um, quite a tight defensive midfield um, and, and look to try and grind out a result against you guys and hope to absorb a bit of pressure and maybe, maybe get you on a counter-attack. I mean, Jamie, where would you say that you're most vulnerable? What what the biggest weak well, the, the weakest links within your system? Um we can't hold on to the ball too well. So Yeah. If teams come at up uh come at us, all we do is just launch it long and we can't keep it or poor passes in midfield by uh Bradley Johnson or another so it's just Constantly having to chase the ball all the time, and it's not knackers us out, and we finally get worn out and concede uh, about the last twenty minutes of the yeah. game. So, okay, uh, I mean, what what what's your what's your prediction for for the game, lads? Um, I'm not feeling totally optimistic, but I don't think we're going to get a hammering. Um, it will either be, I, I think, a one nil, a one nil defeat, or um, a nil-nil or a one-nil, something like that. I, I, I can't quite decide where it's going to go yet. It depends on on what which Norwich City turn up. I mean, I, I'd I'd like to say, putting uh, uh, choosing my heart that we'll 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 nick a nick a nil-nil um, or a one-nil. <laughs> How about you, Jamie? Um, I can't see us winning. Maybe nick a draw, but we've only scored eleven goals at home, so. Yeah. I'm not confident, to be honest. There's not going to be a lot of goals. Boys, it's, it, 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 sounds, it sounds like there's a lot of pain in your voice. It doesn't sound like you, you, you're enjoying it much at the moment, really, is it? There must be, there must be something that you, you still love about it, whether it's Delia's cooking or something. I don't know. It's a bit of an obvious joke, but I meant it seriously. Uh, honestly, it's been, it's been dire. It's been dire for probably 12 months, it's been like this. Um, we've... Uh, we scored how many goals we scored this season? It's something like fifteen goals all season. Something like that. And five wins. Um, managers have been sat for less than that ages ago. And, um, well, as we've seen with Andre Villas-Boas. So yeah, uh, we, we were basically we're trying to play like you were at the start of the season, but without any of the players and trying to make one nils. And we're playing very defensively. This doesn't work. So he's, he has lost the fans. He's lost the imagination of the fans. We're just trying to um, cling on. And if we can just survive this year, just with you and by any form of luck, whatever it needs just to survive, then we, I just hope we get rid of him and, and rebuild again. The best of the, the shining light has been play, seeing players like Reverend come through, um, and, and Hooper's done well as well. And there's been a, 
uh, James Lockwood Olsen. We, we, there's some good players there. They are good to watch, but um, it's just not working. I just hope we survive. And, and the last thing we need is, is, is you turning up after battering Newcastle four 0 with Adebayor in form and you know the young kid um, coming through as well. Um, I just hope it's a good game, and I hope we uh, hope we just end up nicking something. Okay. All right, and that's well. Thank you very much for your time this evening, and uh, we'll see we'll see how the game goes come this weekend. Right, craps. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye. I just think uh, there's there's a certain cultural reference that I'm I'm going to make now, Raj, because it's something we've both seen this week. That when in doubt, I think the Norwich fans should just remember that everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Yeah, everything is awesome. Everything is something when you're living in a. I don't know. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Yeah, no, he said that part already. That's that's Charlotte Peachy Hamilton in the background there, interjecting on our live recording. Thank you, you very much, Charlotte. Face, Charming as ever. Um, so uh, that's the Lego movie for anyone that hasn't seen it. We might be massive children, but it's absolutely fantastic. Um, what did you make of the Lego movie? No, no, sorry. Norwich City. Um, doesn't sound like they're having a, a good time. I mean, to be honest, like, no offence, lads, if you are listening, like, Jesus, like, I've heard some miserable Spurs fans, but you boys really, you didn't sound too happy at all. Um, I mean, we had a little chat after we finished recording and they were asking us how we felt Norwich were performing. And, it, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I've ever looked at them this season and thought, God, they are shit. Like I have with Fulham. At points, like I've looked at Fulham, I thought they're an embarrassment. They're a joke. Like they're they're a very talented squad, but the way they're performing is appalling. Um, but Norwich seem to kind of just be there. You know, it's not the most glamorous thing, um, but I still look at them as a comfortably kind of mid-table team. But it's only over since the course of recording this, I've actually noticed they are perilously close to the drop zone. Um, it would be quite would be quite strange to see him go, wouldn't it, Raj? Because they spent a, a lot of money at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think for all the money they've spent, I think they've only got about half a Premier League squad that could, you know, you can probably fire off their best players. Um, Fur and Ruddy, I think their defence, as I've said before, is shite because it, it lends a hand to Sebastian Basson, who they've got to depend upon. And I called him shite last time. And the lad who was on before said that he's, he's usually decent for him. And then he came to White Hart Lane and was terrible. And Christian Eriksen took the piss out of him for 90 minutes. So I'd, I'd stand by my, my convictions when it comes to Norwich's defence and say that they probably let him down because who's next to Basong now? I think it's Joseph Yobo. So, I mean, he's about he's over 30 now and he's been playing out in Fenerbahce. So I can't imagine that. He, he's 52. It depends which passport you look at. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about that by the way um, the little lad at Lazio yeah, that wasn't a racist comment that was a cultural reference to the lad at Lazio if anyone wants to complain uh, yeah 17 <laughs> as we always say yeah um, what is he 17 years old but people are accusing him of being 41 yeah I mean the, the lad does look very not like a lad <laughs> I mean that's horrible I mean I remember when I was like 15 16 people used to think I was in my early 20s because me and my best mate, um, I'm six foot four, six foot five, and I look quite old because I'm I'm brown and I can grow. I've probably been growing a beard since I was about six. Um, that's that is racism if you 
away. That's but I can get away with that. And um, my best mate is is taller than me. He's about six foot eight, and um, he's looked uh, about twenty since he was about twelve as well. So we've been able to to get in places and and buy things we shouldn't be able to, and go into bars and things we shouldn't do since we were very young. So it works in your advantage at some points, but to be called that much older than you are is just it's either embarrassing or it's bang on nail. <laughs> you see, the, he he deleted all his social networks and everything like that as well. Well, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm surprised he's able to use them at 41. Yeah, he's he's probably trying to send what is it Google's from his eBay and all that sort of thing. As yeah. uh, as my old man's always, my old man's a complete luddite as well. Um, but yeah, we didn't really get around to predicting our scores because I, you know, I I can see us doing them. To be it, was, it was just worth saying as well that it was, it was kind of them both to lend the time. I think they were both rushed this evening, which is why. Probably slightly shorter than some of the more rambling ones we we tend to do, but um, very kind of them to lend the lend the time, even though they were they were pushed for time. They were looking to watch Barcelona against Man City, I think, weren't they? I'm not sure. No, no, they weren't. They were they were genuinely pushed time. But yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> but I can see us beating them two 0 personally. Um, it depends how badly they play. Uh, to be honest, I think we'll probably we'll give a similar performance. I imagine Tim will probably named the the same side that played against um, Newcastle if he can, because I don't think any player gave any reason to be dropped, apart from perhaps Norton for Rose, if that's available. Um, Then I think that's one adjustment I'd make, but other than that, they'll probably all deserve their their place. I mean, do you want to go into Newcastle a little bit further than we did before, just to to try and talk about that? Because, I mean, there's not many... Yeah, I'd be be interested to know your thoughts on Bentaleb um, and you know, his, his progression at the moment, it's, I mean, this is the sort of the, the, the sort of fixture you're expecting him to boss essentially from the position that he's playing in. And, you know, um, he played slightly more advanced against Newcastle. Um, and he seemed a lot more comfortable there than I'd seen him previously because he obviously had Capu in behind him, um, which was, which was better. Um, the balance was, was actually surprisingly good. But again, I, I don't know how much... I don't want to seem negative because I often get accused of being um, negative towards our current form when we're, when we're under Sherwood, but I, I don't know how much we can judge the success of the side given just how bad Newcastle was because I don't want to... I can't quite stress enough just how terrible they were because I, I'm not sure if that, that side was... It seemed much more balanced, but it could just be that Newcastle allowed us to play just that bit better. Um, as I say, if that side play again against Norwich, you'd, you'd hopefully expect them to do a job. And um, as I say, Bentaleb was playing slightly more advanced and he, he seemed more natural there. Um, he, the defensive side of his game is something that I've not I've not enjoyed as much as his ability to recycle possession. And he was doing that same job, just slightly higher up the field with the with less of the defensive strain taken off his shoulders, which seemed to, to you know, Stand him in better stead because he had less to think about. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Essentially. I mean, where do you see, one thing I'd be interested to know um, is where you see him and Tom Carroll when Tom Carroll returns uh, from QPR because they are, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, they're very sort of similar players that occupy a similar position and have essentially a similar function. Maybe uh, Ben Taleb is a bit more hands-on, gets a bit more stuck in than someone like Tom Carroll would, but they're still in that kind of cultured midfielder role that is looking to perform in that metronomic fashion. Yeah. I can't see us playing them alongside one another. Um, so do you think Carroll... Because, I mean, Carroll is a player that's supposed to be of immense ability, whereas Ben Taleb is, don't get me wrong, a very, very good and very, very promising footballer, but I wouldn't say he looks as though he has an immense ability. In that I can't ever see him being a world-class footballer, whereas that has been spoken about of Tom Carroll. I think Tom Carroll's slightly more nuanced in what he does well. Um in terms of his, his passing between the lines and his final ball tends to be very good. He he has that ability inside him to, to spot a, a pass in the final third, to split a defence that I don't think Bentley has yet shown, although he did get a couple of, of assists against Newcastle. Um, Carroll just has that tiny thing where he, he kind of, he does that thing where he looks up and then he, he fires in a pass that perhaps others might not have spotted, which um, you can't really teach which is a, a fantastic footballing cliche to say, but um, he's always excited me slightly more than than Ben Taleb has when I've, when I've watched him. I think they could be the, the two parts of the same midfield, though. I'm not sure exactly how they ever played together, if they ever did in the youth side, although they're, they're a similar age. I think Carroll is a couple of years older than Ben Taleb, though. He's, he's 21, 22 now. I think I've, I've seen them play together when we beat Arsenal, the eighteen eighty two game. Right. Um they played together. I think Bentaleb actually scored the winner on that day as well, um, which is, was probably encouraging. But yeah, they, they played together that day and it, it seemed at least there that Carroll was miles ahead of him. I could see them both working in a 4-3-3 in, in a similar sort of vein as if you had... Um... If you had a defensive midfielder behind him, a Sandro, say, and then you put played the boat, two of them ahead of him, um, maybe not the most uh, creative team in the world, but they'd both be able to do a job. I mean, Carroll will probably push on a bit more, and Bentley would be able to, as you say, be the slightly more hands-on one who, who did some of the, the more recycling possession further back on the field. I don't think they're either player we should be looking to get rid of at any point because they've both got a long way still to go. And it's encouraging that our youth system is actually starting to produce players like this. Um, I mean, I was re- just reading a, a news article the other day, I'm not sure if you saw it, that we're, we're looking to um, put a 500-seat stand in Hotspur Way so that I imagine they're encouraging more people to go and watch the youth team, although the the Daniel Levy caveat to the, that'll probably be that we'll we'll start charging people to come watch you side now at Hotspur Way, which won't be the best. But um, he's taking advantage of the eighteen eighty two movement, you see, probably, which we will talk about later as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure if that's his, his 
his thing or not, but I'm trying to second guess what he's going to do because you know, as soon as we build a new stand, that's more money out of his pocket. He'll, there's no spending without recouping and, and leave his book. Um, it does seem like an odd decision, really, to to build a 500 seater stand at the training ground. It, to well, be, odd, be quite honest. I can see the thinking behind it though, because you, you'd be able to house more people, more scouts, and the games would be slightly more high profile. And I think that they'd probably end up playing a lot more of the the lower age group games there. So you know the the eighteens and the and the seventeens and under that um, have to go and play the games at Leighton Orient and things like that. They'll probably just end up seating all the people inside one stand inside the training ground, which would make it easier to house and would probably get rid of the overheads or whatnot. But I don't think that makes for exciting podcasting, talking about overheads. I think, to be honest as well, given the the objection from the from the locals, it might be a, a tough ask, apparently, the infrastructure in terms of transport to actually house, in theory, even though you, know, you can't imagine 500 people ever selling out a training ground match, if, in theory, 500 people were to go to this site, it would decimate the local area. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it, I, I don't know how likely it is to be approved. And plus, don't we have another a sixty thousand seater stadium that we're supposed to be building as well? At the I'm moment? not sure, but we've got a, a brand spanking new Sainsbury's. Yeah, we do, don't we? Lovely jubbly. Um, back to back to Newcastle. I think that's what we were talking about before. Pa- yeah, pa- pa- Paulinho. He he was he was a bit of a passenger again. He, he scored um, as he did in uh, you know. Previously, mm. um, I can't remember who it was against. He equalised. Who? Fuck! Come on, this is awful by me. Oh, who did he equalise against? You can't remember. Can't. That's terrible. Hull away. That's it. I was just testing you, mate. He <laughs> uh, he equalised against Hull. Um, that was his first game back after injury. I think he's he's starting to um, just get his fitness back now. Because um, I think he's he's one of those players just by the looks of the build of him. Um, that he, he, if he doesn't train a lot and he's injured, he looks like one of those players that can just pick up weight because um, he's got that sort of voluptuous body that, <laughs> that would um, that would assume um, a, a tubby belly easier than some other players would. Because you can imagine, like someone like Bentaleb, for example, you can imagine him being one of those annoying people that could just eat for days and not put any weight on, whereas Polino eats one sandwich and he's put a stone on. I feel his pain. <laughs> you feel his pain. I was also saying, like I said it when we signed him, Polino as well. He looks like he just looks so generic, you know. Like when you actually look at the lad, Everybody's he just pissed. looks like generic man, you know. Like when when you're building like a new player in FIFA, yeah. and you've just got that stock model, yeah. he just kind of looks like that. Like he just has a standard haircut, a normal face, yeah. and just a very normal man. He's a kind of man that I can imagine, kind of you know, people thinking, "What do footballers get up to?" He just likes going home, feeding his cat. Watching the television. He looks like a very loving man from like all of his social media activity. He always seems to be having like Gomez and Sandra around his house and always seems to be playing with his kids and his wife and everything. He seems like a very lovely man. Um, but, you know, there's, there's probably not the most, you know, conducive thing of his performance on the field. I think one thing I picked up on with his movement when he played against Newcastle is that he tends to hold back and he tends to make those very late runs into the box. Um whereas he won't he won't ever stand side by side with with Adibayor in terms of attacking positions. Like he'll never go and play beyond him. But he'll always wait until the ball is almost there and then he'll 
he'll charge in at the very last second, which is almost a, a very attacking midfielder thing to do, and it's a very hard thing to get right, which is why he, I think he's picked up um, as many goals as he has done this season because he, he he tends to have a knack of being able to to time himself, which is is good to see. And his his anticipation for that that goal against Newcastle was um, was fantastic. It's brilliant, and as as you mentioned there as well, uh, Mister Emmanuel Adebayor, what a uh, what a shift he's putting in uh, for the, for the past few weeks. Another another two goals. Yeah, like, I actually saw him for about a period of ten fifteen minutes mentally switch off at two and up against Newcastle, but then he scored again, and it was really really annoying to see because like, when you watch him live. For the for the until we were one 0 up and then when we got the second he was everywhere he was doing absolutely everything running his socks off, and then after that there were a few passes that were like you remember when Berbatov used to complain because a pass was three inches like wider than he'd have liked to his toe, he was starting yeah. to behave like that at two 0 up and then you know I'd have been more annoyed at him had he not then gone on to get a third, um, and I'd probably like to have seen him subbed a tiny bit earlier for Soldado. But um, the performance and the goals you can't take away from him at all. I mean, he's been fantastic when he when he's on his game and when he's actually concentrating. The fact that he can actually see the man turn on his concentration and turn it off is slightly worrying. But um, otherwise, when he is actually on his game, he's he's amazing to see and he's, he's he just brushes off players without without even looking at them. He's, he's fantastic. He's a he's he's a strange boy, but as long as we've got him in form, he's a I'm, really I'm odd happy. fella. I mean, I'm glad you've said that. But his Instagram feed, whenever he, he puts his initials up and then he brackets life's good every five minutes, it's such an odd experience to follow him on there. And he just seems like a very strange person. But um, I mean, did you ever see that interview he did with Jeff Shreves where he he, he said that he essentially like runs Togo himself and he feels like the entire country expects him to perform and things like that. It's very it seems like a very strange life that he has to lead and he's obviously very pressured. I, I did see the interview, yeah indeed. Um there were there was certain things I thought it was you know it was pretty harrowing in places. Um and there were other sides that there were other sides to it that revealed a very a very strange side to his character. I thought it was quite strange when he was saying like his his final wishes when he was on the on the bus and being attacked that he called his girlfriend and said, please name the children after me, which I don't know. It, it was maybe just something that was lost in translation, the point that he was making, but it just, I, I don't know. I found it quite strange, but being someone that has never been on a bus that's been attacked by rebels, I can't really claim to uh, be an authority on the subject and what one should or shouldn't be thinking. But there's, there's definitely, there's, there seems to be somewhat of a, a, a Messiah complex about him um, given that what people have said about he constantly needs to be reassured, he needs to have an arm around his shoulder, which you, you can understand. But then at the same time, I, I, you know, we all want kind of gratitude in our jobs. We all want to be recognised. But then you also think you, you're a grown man, though, mate. You know, you shouldn't need to have the manager telling you every two minutes that you're great in order to perform well. You know, he's got the ability. Um and it just seems as though and it, it has been his attitude across the entire length of his career that's always held him back. And this is, you know, this is a guy that genuinely could have been up there on on a kind of level with players like Drogba. Um, when you're looking at kind of great Premier League strikers of of a similar era, he 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 had all the ability to kind of to be up there. And you know, he has he has played for some great teams. He's played for Real Madrid. 
Um, he's played for Manchester City. He's played for us. He was absolutely fantastic at Arsenal, as we've seen. Um, and he's been absolutely brilliant for us. So, you know, maybe this is his, uh, his renaissance. Um, and hopefully he'll, he'll see it out of Spurs. But he, he is out of, is it at the end of this season or the end of next season? He's out of contract. I'm not end sure, next but season, there was, I, think. Um, I can't remember what I was either reading or listening to, but somebody suggested that perhaps it's a, it's a good idea this summer to sell him while he's hot and while there'll be some suitors after him because inevitably after he's had his, his good streak in the team, there'll be a few months where he'll, he'll not perhaps perform as he once had. And perhaps you have to, you almost have to time selling him right, which I think was a, an almost candid point. Um, but talking about complexes, again, another thing you pick up when you watch Tottenham live is just how many fights Aaron Lennon tries to start when he's on the pitch. Because there was there was not one challenge made on him where he didn't square up to whoever had made the challenge on him. At one point, he actually turned round and like puffed his chest out and walked up to the referee. (laughs) You can take the boy out of Little London, but you cannot take the Little London out of the boy. It was just fantastic to see. It's just just that thing, isn't it? Like, you you know that if he wasn't like, if he wasn't a Premier League footballer, he'd be that wrong and hanging around outside McDonald's that when you just getting out of work late and wanting to go home, he'd be like, dickhead, what are you looking at? Well, I've seen him before. I'm not sure if I've told this story before or not, but the nicest place if you ever need to go to the toilet in Leeds City Centre is a top floor of Harvey Nichols because it's the cleanest toilets in town. So I was once, I can't remember where, it might have been a few years ago after college or something like that, but I was was coming out of the Harvey Nichols toilets because I was... Had you gone for an Etienne? I think uh, perhaps, I'm not entirely sure, but I definitely spent a penny in there and um, I was coming out and I'd spotted uh, Aaron Lennon on the men's floor with Aaron McLean, I think, who was one time at Hull City, I'm not sure where he is now. And uh, they were both head-to-toe in just like Nike joggers that they'd bought from like Sports Direct. And they, <laughs> they were just like cleaning up clothes. But he just looked like such a chav. He had his he had his cap on and everything. And then I'd, it was like on the main street in Leeds, like, you wouldn't be able to tell him from, the, as you say, the Scallyanger outside. McDonald's, the difference is he makes a shitload more money than they do a week. And um, I think one of the other things I picked up on them, one of the things that I, I do want to really point out is just how well Soldado played for the fourth goal. His interplay was fantastic. He does this thing whenever he receives the ball, like um, with his back to goal. It happened numerous times where somebody had, had played the ball into him reasonably quickly and he'd spot the pass in terms of him popping it off as soon as the ball touched his feet. So it'd be like a one-touch thing. And he'd, he'd give it back to the player just in behind him. And then he'd spin his defender and he'd be making the run in behind as soon as possible. But that next pass would never go. And they'd never try and test the Newcastle defence and play it through to him. It would always be a lateral pass next and we'd either work it wide or work it further into the box. So by the time he's got his got his space back and, and found a room in the box, he's already been marked again because... The running behind he's made has, has gone to waste. I almost feel like he needs a bit of time with with somebody like Ericsson or even a Tom Carroll type player that will be able to to spot the fact that he does make those runs in behind and the fact that he does move a lot more than people give him credit for. And he's he's so intelligent with the way he passes the ball and he looks so classy whenever he touches the ball. Like his first touches was always crisp, even though he only got ten minutes on the pitch. He was he's running everywhere. He was playing the ball. He was. He's getting involved a lot more than I think he's ever really given credit for. And um, I, was, I was really glad to see him play, but just because I was, I, I, I was 
you can't help but doubt him after after some of the performances he's put in and after some of the things that have been written about him and said about him and the fact that some people have already given up on him and then you actually get to go and see the way in which he conducts himself and the way in which he plays. It's just so classy. It almost It's inconceivable to me that he, he won't at some point come good because he just looks that that classy whenever he's on the ball. But, I mean, is that something you've ever picked up on when you've seen him play? I do. I, like I say, I think if, if, if we'd have put Soldado... In a team, yeah, a lot of comparisons are made with Negredo and Soldado. And I, I honestly think that if Soldado had, say, been signed by City, he would probably be doing, sim- not, not exactly in terms of his actual function on the pitch, but he would be doing a similar job to what Negredo is doing now in terms of his success and his goals and his importance to their team. Um, uh, similarly, at somewhere like Chelsea, I think the way in which they play and the amount of chances that they create and the, their kind of profligacy in front of goal. Um, I mean, Etu is starting to sort of score a few now, but he's pretty erratic. And Torres is just, I don't know what the hell has happened to that lad. But uh, I think Soldado in a system such as that, where it's kind of, a, it's almost like a, a quick explosive um, phase of attack where balls are kind of whipped in um, from the wings quite early as well. Um, which is what Chelsea seem to do quite effectively when they they play those early crosses in behind the defence um, from quite a deep position. He uh, he he would kind of thrive in that in that system, and it, it just seems as though even under Tim Sherwood, um, we still seem to favour that kind of that patient build up that we saw with AVB. Oh, completely, yeah, and. This is this is one thing that you know. I I think that a lot of people have found hard to quantify in in terms of when you actually. I mean, there was a there was a ridiculously overly statterized view um, that was going around on the on stats stat bomb or something it's called this website when they were essentially comparing the the touches and the shots from different parts of the pitch and blah blah blah. Essentially, it was it was showing you that the way in which we're playing in the final third. Um, under Sherwood is almost a mirror image of how we were playing under AVB in terms of the amount of passes we're playing in the final third, where we're shooting from, who's creating the opportunities and where they're being created. But, I mean, obviously the major difference is likely Adebayor, um, but it is it is quite hard to see just how there has been this drastic uh, improvement in terms of our goal-scoring ratio between Sherwood and AVB. Um I mean, some of it you might just say is that the players are actually just starting to gel, starting to click. And this isn't an AVB versus Sherwood thing. Don't get me wrong before anyone starts kicking off about it. I'm not saying that you know, Sherwood's lucky and AVB's unlucky. I'm, I'm merely making the comparison that it doesn't seem on the pitch as though a lot has actually changed. Mm. Um, There's one or two personnel changes at most. Precisely. Um, but it's 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 interesting. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't want to see us give up on Sardada. I, I will say I'm probably not as patient as you. I have, you know, the, the past few games I've, I've seen be slightly lazy. Not so much, this is prior to him being dropped. I've kind of, I've had a few doubts about his 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 work levels, kind of when he's he's picked up the ball kind of near the halfway line, played the ball off to someone on the wings and then just kind of, slowly jogged up front and not really formed that centre point of the attack as he should be. Mm. Um, 
but I think it would definitely be a shame. To, and, and yeah, I'd, want ever... to see him, I'd want to see him play against Dnipro on Thursday. I think that's essential. I, want, I really want to see him play up front on his own, um, perhaps even with Defoe, um, if that's that's the way in which we choose to go against Dnipro. Um, I've got see, no my, idea how he's going to treat the Europa League. My only problem with doing this, though, is you know we've, we've played Soldado in the Europa League and he's banged him in, and then he hasn't translated that to the Premier League. It's, it, I don't know whether that gives him some kind of false confidence or that it, it, it makes him think that, oh, no, you see, I, I, well, I guess false confidence is all I need to say. Um, I'd rather see him be chucked in to a Premier League game, somewhere like Norwich, where, you know, we could maybe revert back to playing two up front. Um, I don't think we've come to a place now. I think Sherwood in himself has, has evolved um, tactically into a place where he wants to play the one striker. I think he's happy with that now. And I think he's happy the way that Adibayo's functioning. I think every other every other time he's spoken to the press, he, he has to he, he purposefully makes a point of pointing out just how well um, Adibayo's playing for him. So I don't think there's any chance of um, Soldado usurping him at any point unless there's any injury or something like that. But um, I think the Europa League is probably his best chance of of showing us what he can do at this moment in time. So I think him starting against the Nipro is probably what's going to happen. I can't see Adibayo playing because that you get into the point where you're going to start overplaying some players if if he performs there. And um, I don't. I hope it's not a, a cup that we. Um, we abandon at all. Um, I'd really want us to see us uh, to do well and, and make a decent tilt of that one because I think the next tie, if we beat Dnipro, um, who, who shouldn't be, you know, cast aside as nobody's. They're obviously they're coached by Juan de Ramos, who gave that really interesting uh, interview in uh, in one of the papers recently about his time at Tottenham. So they shouldn't be, you know, cast aside as mugs. We're going to have to play well to beat them, and then uh, we get the. Do you think so? Uh, I think he knows how to how to win that cup, and he knows how to build a team. Uh, he's obviously a very good cup manager. Um, yeah, we know that ourselves. True. So um, I, I wouldn't want to take him for a mug whatsoever. Um, he, given that interview he gave for that paper, he very much seems like a man who would um, who would like to to prove a point to us. So um, I, I wouldn't take him take him lightly at all. No, because. It'll be one of those ties where they they happily soak up the pleasure, uh, the pleasure, the pressure at White Hart Lane, sorry, and um, you know lose maybe one nil and then try and do us at their place in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, um, well, this is this is the away leg is first though. Well, you know, it vice versa, do us at their place and then okay. yeah, sit works your way around. And then I don't want to see, as I say, I don't want to see us give us give up on the Europa League. What about you? What, what, there's that, obviously there's that choice if you had to make a choice for some reason. Everything everyone always wants to give you some sort of ultimatum. But if you had to choose between, say, fourth position and the Europa League, what would you, what would you plump for? Europa League probably. If it was guaranteed that we were going to win the trophy, it, 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 every time I mean people can say what they want about the the revenue and so on and so forth that will bring in for the club. I just, I don't see us being a club that will consistently challenge until we have that stadium in place. It would be very, very good to finish in the Champions League positions. Don't get me wrong. It would be lovely to have another run in the competition. But in terms of us building um, and having a, a, a sustained kind of growth from being in the Champions League and not just being 
a team that gets in every once in a while, we, we need to have that new stadium. Because um, I don't think at the moment our standing is of a Champions League club. I don't think we have the infrastructure of a Champions League club at least. Um, and I don't think we have a manager, well, not a manager, but we don't have a, a, a board in place that pays Champions League wages, you know. Um, so it's, it's all well and good to qualify and have a little jolly there and kid ourselves that that's going to be what makes us uh, a top flight club. But it's not. It's stuff off the pitch that we have to put in place before we can become that top flight club. That's just my opinion. So at this point in time, I would take the, the, the Europa League any day. Over. Just to, um, to build on your Friday and slip where you said we don't have the manager. Um, <laughs> the, um, I didn't want to go into that one too much, but it kind of no, stands. It just, um, it just reminded me of um, a good friend of the show, the, the lad that um, sorted me out my tickets for Newcastle, the, the Spurs Bruin, as he goes by on Twitter. Um, he did a poll recently, I'm, not, I'm sure you're aware of it, of who you'd want to see in charge of um, Tottenham next summer. Um, and the results were fairly, you know, interesting to see because they weren't. I think it's fairly split between was it Van Hal and and Sherwood came out with the top top mm-hmm. votes, and then it was fairly split between the rest of the the likely lads that were underneath them. Um, I understand you voted for Sherwood. Uh, I did vote for Sherwood, indeed. Um, can you explain the the, the decision? My my reasons for voting for Sherwood again to, to be. To be quite honest with you, is that number one, the players have seemed to have responded quite well to him. Um, from the sort of sound bites we're hearing coming out from from various different people, so you know Adebayor, Ibalikabul, even Christian Eriksen, Paulinho, they've all kind of come out and said that Tim Show is doing a really good job. You can be cynical and say, well, you know, of course they're going to say good things about the man that chooses whether or not they're going to be in the team. But you know, if we to take it on face value, that's obviously encouraging. Um, and it's just it's just down to the fact that if we if we are putting toward you know together this good run of form, do we really want to see the club go under another upheaval? I mean, for me, you, you know, I, I haven't made any qualms about the fact that Sherwood was not my first choice for the job. Um, he isn't someone that I wanted to see installed as the manager, but Levy's done it now, and I think give him give him the time that we would have given any other manager. Um, even though he is only a head coach. Um, but, I mean, people like, uh, uh, who is it, um, Prandelli, isn't it, that's been linked today? Yeah, Cesare Prandelli. Yeah, I mean, that that to me, personally, I think that's got disaster written all over it. A man that's only ever managed in the Serie A and the Italian national team and hasn't done a fantastic job of the Italian national team either. Doesn't speak English. It, it, that that doesn't bode well for me at all. To be honest, I would keep Sherwood probably have him, and that might sound naive, but I just I just think that's the kind of thing where Spurs would just come unstuck and sack him after however many games. Someone like Van Hal, you know, if we were to get rid of Sherwood and we were to go through this upheaval, as it were, you know, you're not going to be against someone like Van Hal, who's who is a winner. You know, the man is an absolute winner. Um, but it is just about that the initial the initial upheaval, the initial new system being put in place, the overhaul of again more new players having to come in, whether that be signings or you know a rotation within the the squad itself. Um, when at the moment, Sherwood seems to be doing, you know, as uh, I hate to admit it, but doing a 
Well, I don't hate to admit it. I'm very happy that show is doing a good job with Spurs because I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, so that's that's I guess why I would want Tim Show to stay to stay in charge. Well, I've I've sort of slightly changed um, the way in which I view the situation because obviously um, I actually on the poll I voted for Gus Hiddink just because I I, I didn't view <laughs> it as a I didn't view it as a, a poll in which you know you choose the manager we'll get next season. Um, I kind of took it as a dream scenario type of thing. I think if if we had to choose one manager to kind of come in, pick us up, have minimal upheaval and still get the results for us, I'd, I'd go for Gus Huddy. But um, I don't think there's any chance in hell of his, uh, him actually coming to the club in the summer um, unless we, we break several bank accounts to, to try and bring him in. Um, but the way in which I view Sherwood now, um, I still... Unless he, uh, I've always had that caveat of unless he wins the cup or gets his fourth, I don't think he he would have been kept by the club next season anyway. And I think that's similar for for AVB. If he'd have ridden out that earlier storm earlier in the season and kept his job past then, I still think the um the terms of his his contract being uh, kept in place beyond the summer would have been a cup or or fourth essentially. So if if Sherwood gets either one of those, then he he deserves to keep his job. Whether he does or not is a is by the by, it's, it's out of our hands. But um, I actually think he's he's the perfect palate cleanser of a manager to have after AVB. Um, and what I mean by that is he hasn't taken the wheels off the club by any means. He's actually doing fairly well with with what he's got to offer um, with his his limited know how. Because um, there's there's no beating around the bush in the fact that his first club he's ever managed, and he's he's probably going to stand himself in good stead to to get a new job in the summer if he is to leave the club because I can't, I can't imagine he'll want a demotion now. I don't think he'll ever take a, a role back with the youth team or, or one of the other titles he was given that were essentially not manager but somewhere in the infrastructure. Um, but yeah, I think I think the, the, the phrase for me is palate cleanser. I think he's, he's kind of taken down what AVB had put there in, in some manners and built on other areas that were better. And if he leaves it in a position where another magic can take over in the summer, I think that probably probably be the best situation for us. Because I, I still can't see him being someone that can build any sort of lasting legacy there. I, I've still not won over to that extent because it, there's still the the thing in the back of my mind that I, I don't think he's he's that at that level yet. I still want somebody who's in his fifties or sixties and has been there, done that, knows what he's doing. He's he's tactically more attuned to it would slightly perform better in in the bigger games because in the very big games we've had in the very important ones we've had these apart from really Everton where as I've said before we we, we were shit but we still won we've, we've not really performed to any sort of level um, so I'd, I'd really want to see see someone who's who's more proven in the summer if I could um, if if obviously he doesn't win the cup or get fourth um, I think did I say this to you in private or did I did I say out loud I can't remember but there was there was I think the first ever a round of, of Tim Sherwood's blew my army at, at Newcastle and um, it was very odd because for the entire night everyone was singing um, from from pillar to post everyone was obviously in a party mood the way in which we were winning and the away fans are always fantastic even when we're sat in bloody Sat in Sunderland watching the game where we I think we were for that, um, but it was when when that song started it was very odd. Um, it was very patchy. It was, it was noticeably um, 
the most kind of split reaction all night. Lots of people sang it, lots of people didn't. I think lots of people made a point of not singing it. And then um, the song immediately beforehand and the song immediately afterwards had, again, the entire vocal support of everyone that was there again. So it was a, a strange lull for a moment. And it was the only time it was attempted all night. I think it was one we, once we'd got three nil up. Um, some people had decided to take it upon themselves to, to give that song its first outing. So um, it's a very strange experience to, to see that happen and then kind of see how everyone else kind of joined in again afterwards. Uh, um, I think that kind of speaks for speaks levels itself, given how split the, the Tottenham fans still are towards him. Well, there you go. And what a, what a pertinent note to end on there, Raj. Um, as, uh, as, as Raj said, yes, yeah, sir, it was a, a kind of a shorter reactive on the on the opposition side of things this time, but both lads were pressed at time. So I hope you haven't been too bored by our, our Tottenham musings. We've, we've become like a, a, a normal Tottenham podcast, Raj. How, how disgusting is that? It's horrible. Who'd, be, yeah. who'd want them to be one of those? Don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, you can, of course, listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on our Buzzsprout website, on SoundCloud, and also on iTunes, most importantly. Um you can obviously go back to spursstatman.com where you can find all the links to those episodes and a host of other Tottenham-themed editorial material. Have we got anything going out this week at all, mate? Uh, we've got two up yesterday, uh, one from Ben about Tim Sherwood and how he's, he's slowly winning them over and uh, one from Steve looking back on both the Everton and Newcastle games a little tactical and statistical analysis of what had happened there. So both really good articles to, to get your teeth into so be sure to check those out and of course you can follow the Rule the Roost Twitter account at RTRSSM um, thanks very much for listening and have a great evening or day or whatever it is when you're listening to this come it's on you Spurs you've got to get used to the internet people can listen to this whenever they want they can, fuck them, fuck people hate them, come on you Spurs Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.